Have you ever wondered what makes bodies tick? Are you creating the sexual reality you desire and require? Would you like to know more about what else is possible with bodies? What if your fantasies are not as strange as you thought they were? What if you could learn to be kinder to your body and kinder to others' bodies? Would you like to create confidence in the bedroom and beyond? How has your sex life, or lack of it, affected other areas of your life? Have you lost your mojo and wondered where to find it? Everyone has the potency to be a sexual superhero. Get ready to listen, sense, and play with the sexualness that is you. Now, here is the host of The Pleasure Zone, Body Whisperer, Melitza Yelenich. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Pleasure Zone. I'm your host, Melitza Yelenich. And today, I have... I haven't actually had a guy on my show for almost a year, I think. I have a lot of women on my show, and I was like trying to remember the last time I had a guy on my show, and it's been almost a year. So thank you for being wow. so brave and showing up, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> You're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Wow, I'm kind of breaking this year's cherry of men. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and of all the men to have on my show, woohoo. <laughs> so, <laughs> For those of you who are wondering, why on earth would I invite this man onto my show? Like, who is he and what is he doing? Um, actually, Alan also has a show on A to Zen as well. And um, that's not why I invited him. I invited him because I keep seeing posts on Facebook um, that just crack me up. Like, I, I, not anything in specific, but just like so much of what you have posted alan is like there's like so much sexual innuendo there's like you know willingness to be <laughs> no. naked at random times like there's like i'm like i want to talk to that guy because he's just funny <laughs> he's like the boy version of me i'd like to talk to him <laughs> awesome <laughs> so, so um the show that you and tamara yonker have on a to zen is called the playground of possibilities yes yeah we've and been so Sorry, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I was just saying, so we kind of like, when we were looking at the title of the show, you came up with the title, and the title, uh, like, merged our topics, um, like, merged our titles in a way, is like, um, having the um, pleasure and the playground of possibilities, like, merging, and looking at what that is. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, because uh, life is a playground, and, and where does where does sex stop being play? Do you know what I mean? It's like we're, we've made it so meaningful and significant, sex. So that for me is like, well, what if the whole of life is a sexual playground? And I know that's quite controversial for a lot of people. And I don't necessarily, I mean, a copulation playground. I mean, sexualness. But uh, yeah, there are so many, I've got so many things in my head that are just kind of going, pick me! And I'm like, oh, where do I start with that? <laughs> but yeah, I think the playground of possibilities and kind of the, the stuff that kind of your show it, it talks about it. It's like, where, how does that merge? How does that play out in life? How does sex play out for us? And how could we have it more, you know, have more play with our sex and more play in our life and more sex in our play and all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, where can we go with that? <laughs> oh, there's so many places. Well, one of the things that um, I've I've heard you on a few other calls um, that aren't related to the radio, but uh, a call uh, with a mutual friend of ours, Crystal Crawford. Um, yeah. And I do some work with her. So um, I'd actually heard you on one of her momentum calls. And uh, I love, you actually said something on one of her calls about desiring to have classes where people could just get naked. 
I'm like, yeah. oh, that's just so fun. That was one of the yeah, that was one of the recent calls because it's something that I feel quite, um, for want of a better word, passionate about. It's it is that uh, willingness to to be comfortable with our naked bodies and to you know for people to kind of get into a room and and really clear all of that stuff around being being naked and being comfortable with that with with their naked body and just yeah let's just get naked and and do body processes and talk and have fun without it being all about kind of copulation does that am i making sense so if you look at some countries um that don't have hang-ups about that you know sweden germany a lot of european countries tend to have less hang-ups about being naked around each other than say in britain <laughs> Where... British. didn't they create the rule that wearing clothes and everybody else followed as they like took over the entire oh. planet and it's like they took all their you know the victorian uh, mm-hmm. and even free that you know all, all of these staunch attitudes across the world to make sure people would cover up those naked yeah. bodies Jeez, yeah. British, what were you guys doing? <laughs> well, exactly, bloody Queen Victoria. You know, it's like because it was that was that was the done thing, right? And did and she just have like a lot of body issues herself and didn't want to be getting naked in public? Like, what was that, girl? Well, I wonder because she had loads of children, so she was quite her and her husband were quite a sexual couple. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think she had any issues with sex. I just think they just kept it very, very private and. Yeah. It, the Victorian values, as, it, as I understand them, are very much about um, everything is proper, everything in its place. And nudity so, was not one of those things. No, mm. and if everything's in its place, then the penis requires being in the vagina because that's the place for it. But apparently. Or wherever else it goes. That, that, yeah. According to those Victorian Never values. Been, yeah. <laughs> and everything else that happened be- behind those doors with the Victorian men together and the Victorian women together that we just don't talk about because that's against the rules. It's <laughs> like there was, there's so much that got like spread like wildfire as those values got spread across the world. And uh, where we're still buying them is real and true when they might not be real and true for us. And that's the, that's the thing is when do we start becoming conscious of our body and when do we start... Because if you look at a child... The children are very happy to run around naked. And, um, well, I'd like to talk about that because I actually have a totally different experience with my daughter. Right. Uh, so, I, like, as a kid, I I was just I would if I was upset, I'd get naked and run around the yard, and I'd want to like run around the trees and run around the grass, and then I would cry, but I'd be running around naked with my blankie um, mm-hmm. on my back and just crying and naked and like that kind of like could start to feel better and my daughter um, is seven and a half right now and even as a baby if I were to change her diaper in public she would freak out like if there was a if we were in a public bathroom and people were in there she would freak out I'd have to wait for them to leave I was not to like ever get her naked in front of people from day one of being burst even in the hospital it was like very private and I was very aware that that was her point of view from day one. So when people talk about like babies have this freedom, I'm like, wow, not all. Because what if we were actually brought in all these points of view with us from lifetimes? And I did a lot, a lot of clearings with her. Um, before I even came into access, I had like other people working with her on this. Because it's like, mm. where did that, where did that where did start? From? Yeah. So what if um, some of us just do have more freedom with our bodies and are choosing not to have 
points of view with it, and others do have a lot of points of view with it. Neither, not that either is right or wrong. Just that no. you know, it's just like what we've chosen as our reality right now. Um, so yeah, it's it's a funny thing. Like so, um, that to me is kind of like a really good indicator that not everybody has that um, freedom of nudity. Yeah, that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because I yeah that just never even occurred to me that um, that people would uh, that that children would kind of kind of be brought into the world that way because my view has always been all the children I've ever I've ever come across have never had never been that's really wow yeah and she's the only kid I've ever met and I was a nanny and I've been teacher and like she's the only kid I've ever met that actually strongly had that and uh, yeah yep from day. One and it was okay if I changed her diaper, if my mother changed her diaper, men were not to come to her and change her diaper. So there was like a lot of stuff with her that I was aware of that was um, that's like wow, what can we clear here for you? Because um, as much as some of us develop that later on in life, you know, yeah. uh, it could be seven or eight years old running around naked, and then people are like pointing and laughing or taunting you or whatever and so then you start to turn inward or you start to turn yourself off or uh whatever that is well but and it's, that's a, it's interesting yeah. to be born with it i you know what i noticed that the, the whole kind of turned on thing and turned off thing is you know being turned on around our family whilst naked is mm -hmm. is very taboo and unacceptable for many people so we kind of switch that off and it's funny because i was reading the um uh, access consciousness reference materials today and there was a bit in there about how our parents uh would, would sometimes you know would feel kind of turned on or sexual towards us so we kind of make ourselves wrong and we shut down our own sexualness so that our parents don't do inappropriate things or you know what considered to be inappropriate things mm -hmm. um because my mother did and uh, you know and i uh, i never really understood why i i was i wouldn't um there was just this, I don't know, just this thing around kind of being uh, aware of what my mother um, was kind of was feeling towards me, but me thinking it was me and making myself wrong and all of that kind of stuff. It's mm -hmm. fascinating how we own other people's stuff. Absolutely. Um, and then think it's us and think that we're bad and wrong. You know, I remember my once, I, I, I remember I was, how old was I? Probably about 12. I remember um, coming from the shower into my bedroom. I was in my pajamas, but I happened to have an erection at the time, which was obvious in my in my pajamas. And my mother said, "You're too old to be walking around like that." I felt so utterly ashamed of myself for kind of walking out that way. Wow! But there was nothing I could have done about it, you know, because I, I my mother had, had such an erection about it. Yeah. yeah, your body just it, does that when you're twelve it, all the time. You well, I used to do smell it. a flower, I mean, you get turned on. Exactly. You know, my sister, my, my sister and I used to bath together till till I was about kind of ten or eleven. And um, something else that my mother did was um, she really confused me. My sister, because she was two and a half years older than me, um, mm. we were in the bath, and she would say to me, "You know, when you get an erection, that means you want to have sex with a woman." And of course, oh. that that freaked the shit out of me because at that time. I was still kind of, you know, I, I'm, you know, I was what kind of ten or eleven. So, and, and at that time, we didn't have the internet and porn and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was it was quite still Victorian. And and also, I realised that I was different to other boys because girls didn't interest me, but boys did. 
Mm-hmm. So that freaked the hell out of me as well. So I went to my mother and I said to my mother, you know, oh, Ruth said this, you know, she says I want to have sex with women if, you know, if my willy goes hard. And mum said to me, oh, that's, that's nonsense. That's not true. So, so many confusing messages. I know. And I'm like, <laughs> Holy cow. and so I think that's one of the reasons why I, I just choose to be as much as I possibly can uh, with with as much ease around sex and sexualness as possible and I will joke about it and I will have innuendo and partly kind of a lot of gay humor is, is kind of innuendo and I do find mm-hmm. it very amusing but for me it's like I would love to be the invitation for people to have no hang-ups about sex whatsoever you know, wouldn't it be lovely like you know you could oh, just go to somebody's it? house and they're walking around naked serving you dinner they happen to have an erection and they just have like you know the tea towel like hanging off their penis just because it's a convenient <laughs> place to put it like there's yeah. it's convenient sometimes it's like you just need a spare hand but there it is like you've got this extra appendage that you can actually utilize because it's not all you know choked up and stuck away and hiding <laughs> <laughs> It's, well, you know, it's, and, and it's, it's a useful tool to use the kind of use the euphemism for it. So, yeah. And I've often thought about, about boobs, actually. I think breasts, I think, can be really quite useful if they're big enough to kind of have as a shelf. So, right. We, because uh, we, cause I guess a lot of women who have big boobs tend to feel comfortable around gay men because we don't kind of sit there and ogle them and kind of just want to, you know, just touch them. So a lot of our friends do happen to have big boobs. And um, I just they they like to joke about them. It's just like my one of my friends who has the biggest boobs ever would say they make they're brilliant for catching food. <laughs> so when she's, That's awesome. You know, she's like, I just you know kind of you know I just use them as a shelf to kind of catch biscuits that I'm eating or. <laughs> Absolutely. So jealous. Sneak things in there. My friends with large breasts. I'm small a very small breasted woman but my friends with large breasts i was thinking like you could actually hide stuff in your bra like if you wanted to you could walk through security you could say oh that's just my underwire of my bra but you can be hiding stuff in there and get away with it because your boots are big enough to get away with like anything my friend who does the food thing she keeps her phone in her bra nice (laughs) so (laughs) yes it's passion to her boobs yes (laughs) Like the producer saying, you can sneak flasks in there into concerts. Absolutely, the things you can get away with with big, being big, large-breasted, and having you know access in your. You could have like extra pockets. You know, they could create bras that actually have like a like an extra pocket in there that you could stash stuff in. That would be awesome. That would be really. And how many women would actually use it? You know, I really think that's that's how. Yeah, exactly. What you know? How can we take advantage of 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 boobs and bras? Seriously. And with the pocket, like, yes, like sticking the lipstick in, but if you actually had like a little pocket for it, uh, and also like the pocket for your cash, it could be like a bra purse. And then you don't need to carry your purse. It's probably better on your back, let's just say. And how much safer is it going to be carrying your. Do you know what I mean? Because no one's going to grab your boobs to steal your purse. (laughs) No, because they're not expecting it. Okay, well, I'm writing this down here is a bra purse. And everybody who's listening, if you think you're taking this idea, we've already sent it off. This this idea is already going to be um, patented. So, Ben and Alan, the rest of you, it's not yours. We're going to go to break on that note. And when we come back, who knows where this is going? We'll talk more when we come back. 
Many of us have created a lot of limitations around sex and what we are willing to choose. Would you be willing to explore what has already been introduced as sexual practices on this planet? What else is possible beyond what we have already seen, heard, or thought of? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual revolution? Taking the taboo out of all aspects of sex, sexuality, and copulation. By tuning into The Pleasure Zone radio show with body whisperer Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Melitza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on A2Zen.fm. What would you say if I told you that you could change your life in only one hour and all while lying down relaxing? Thousands of people all over the world have. What am I talking about? It's called Access Consciousness The Bars. The Bars is an energetic body process that contains 32 different points on your head that when run assist you in releasing decisions about any area of your life that you have made solid and as a result cannot change. The Bars is the first class in Access Consciousness a dynamic set of tools and information designed to transform any area of your life. When you have a bar session, the worst that can happen is you feel like you had a fantastic massage. The best thing that can happen is your whole life could change. Go to accessconsciousness.com today to find a facilitator to schedule a private session or to find a bars class in your area. Are you willing to give yourself an hour to change your life? This is The Pleasure Zone with body whisperer Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, please call us in the U.S. Call 815-880-8255-TALK or Canada 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at A2Zen.fm. You can also make the choice to ask for comment by email by sending to Melitza at MelitzaYelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pleasure Zone. <laughs> For those of you who are missing out in the chat room, you're missing out. We're having discussions about boobs, boob sizes, all things fun. And I was saying that if, if bums actually had a cup size, that my bum would be like a D cup for bums. And I, I'd like to start getting bum size cups because I think that would actually, for for women, for us women who have smaller boobs, and we would like to be like, yeah, I got a triple D bum that is. Like, I'd like to just like be able to emphasize that I, I do have that, just not on the top. It's all on the bottom. Yeah, that's where my boobs went, I think. But do you know, <laughs> there, is, there is actually an invention for men called a bottom bra. Oh. And when I first read it, it's all one word. I thought, what the hell is a batombra? So somebody explained <laughs> to me, it's a bottom bra. And it's these for men who have absolutely no arse at all. Oh, wow. Um, and they kind of, they're, they're padded underwear. And I, I never really understood what the point is of having padded underwear. Oh, they do that for women too. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I know they do it for women for, for bras and stuff, but yes. you know, for men they have it for the front and the back. Oh, the so front like, nice. Yeah, so so it looks like you've got a bigger bulge. I think. Wow, I um, like that. Well, it's how fucking disappointing though. <laughs> well, then you go in for the reality, and you're like, I whoa. Know. It's like then, the bras that have the extra three cup, cup sizes, and you take it off, and it's like, wah, wah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, man, it's like, what just <laughs> Yeah, why why bother doing it? Because at the end of the day, if someone who is so um, 
I don't, there's, there's, a, there's a, a terminology that, that is quite big in, in uh, gay culture called uh, size queen. And these are kind of men who will only go out with men who have what they consider to be a big yes. penis. And that's kind of, I guess that would be anything over nine inches is, is typically considered to be a big penis. That, yeah. frankly anything over seven is not going anywhere near me that I've made that that's one of my rules of life <laughs> I, I do that. not have an orifice that is that will take that <laughs> which is just my interesting yeah. point of view awesome <laughs> so for all the men out there who would like yeah, to meet all the men out there, under yeah. seven is between five and seven inches yes yeah, bring them on bring it on I love bring small it. I you do. can send him I, photos yeah can, I actually get photos on Facebook, Alan. I'll be sharing those with you. I get really? penis pics. All, I get penis pics all the time. I even get wow. like women sending me pictures of their, you know, their goods. Like I, I don't know what it is about me, Facebook, and having this radio show, but I get nudity all the time. I I could probably make a mural to fill my wall. How fast! I never get photos. Are you? I get sometimes. I get women kind of connecting with me and then asking me if I want to marry them and have their babies with them, uh. which. Which is rather interesting, given that you know it's not yes. it's not unobvious that my preference is for men. But anyway, well, and that is a preference, and I would never say no, especially especially not since the ESB actually, which has been really interesting oh, cool. for me. So um, the uh, energetic synthesis of being class with Dr. Dane here, I went to um, back in September. Why oh, is it really that long ago? Wow. Um, and uh, you know, I've kind of. Uh, you know, I, I've always had a preference for men and, you know, men really, I love men's bodies. I think they're really sexy. And I think women's bodies can be sexy as well. That just haven't really turned mine on. And um, what I, as I've kind of been using the tools of access and cleared my points of view and not bought into the whole, well, I'm gay, therefore I can only find women a turn on it, uh, men a turn on hey, There you go. There's a Freudian slip. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> and what I noticed was that the more I kind of let go of my point of view of defining myself, and I don't define myself as a gay man, I define myself as a man who has a preference for men, not to avoid kind of gay pride and all that kind of stuff, but really just because that just doesn't work for me anymore to define myself as a gay man. It just feels really heavy and not true. Mm-hmm. So what was interesting for me was there were a couple of women there who had a real kind of freaks on with that was was really quite sexual and fun there was none of that kind of um tension with it or kind of judgment it was it was actually just a lot of fun to really flirt with women and know that actually we both knew that actually we probably could go to bed together and that would be a lot of fun it never went there what was also interesting was the number of women who obviously who noticed that and then would throw themselves at me Awesome. It was really quite That's scary. So funny. And on the, the last day, you know, we were just packing up. This woman came up to me and she just launched out with her arms and she started licking my ear and telling me how wow. scared she was. I was really scared. That's ESB <laughs> for you. Wow. <laughs> so wow. it is interesting. She's she just like, she, wow. Yeah. Was there any was, question in her universe to like no. ask, would this actually be a contribution? Yeah, there was none at all. Wow. And, um, I felt, you know, and I, I was kind of pushing her off and I would, I would have, I would have been very happy to take whatever action was required to, to make it stop. So I had yeah. no, but it was just like, do you know, really, that's not welcome. Thank you. No, that's really aggressive. That's not. Yeah. So Gary talks about being intimidating. It's not about, uh, being stupid it's yeah. about asking uh-huh. a question would this be a contribution 
to the body. You know, there's like, uh, yeah, that's funny. I, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about yeah, that. Yeah, no, I know. That's it's like, just, holy cow. That's funny. It is. It's really amusing. And, and so she said there was no question in her universe around, you know, will this be a kindness for me and for him? Can it be received? Uh, what would yeah. it actually create? Will it be fun, phenomenal and rewarding? You know, all of so it's just for me, simple questions that I would ask. Um, which is which is funny because that's the, some of the questions I was asking when I was looking at some of the women that I was kind of really playing with mm-hmm. um, at the ESB, who were just a lot of fun to be around. I'm like, actually, yeah, that that would be kind. I would learn something. It would be fun for you know. So it is interesting, but I didn't, you know, we didn't do anything about it. But um, that's not to say that I wouldn't. That's very cool. So, mm. ESBs bring out interesting things for people. My um, first and so far only uh, experience with a woman in this embodiment was actually uh, at an ESB. Uh, And we're not saying that access is a sex cult for anybody who's listening. It just happens that it's like there's a lot of bodies in the room and people start to get um, really happy about life and really turned on and like get rid of points of view. So really, it's not that they're like... um, perpetuating that or creating it that way it just happens when you have no point of view you're just kind of like hey this is like going out for ice cream with a friend okay let's go upstairs and lick each other okay cool it's just really that like not significant and at the same time it can actually create way more for you and your world and your universe like it doesn't have to be um yeah, throwing yourself on a person is creating it as being so significant, like you to me, right? So you're throwing yourself on them and going, you know, you've got to choose me because I'm horny, and like if you reject me, then I'm going to be mad at you. And it, mm. there's so much uh, tension, like there's so much force, and like so is that being an invitation? So for those people who are listening, like mostly listen to this story from Alan is like, um, what is what is an invitation and what isn't an invitation? And you get like when he's talking about some of these women that that's actually being an invitation to a man who normally even prefers men would choose women who are being an invitation. Um, And then there's the other side of it of somebody who's uh, being aggressive and, and overly aggressive, how that is such a turnoff could be the same body, the same person doing two different, approaches and one can be totally inviting and one can be totally not it's funny cause, um i i can't say i've ever thrown myself uh physically at another a man like that i know when i was still i guess you know in terms of this reality kind of coming to terms with uh what you know i say come to terms with but being more comfortable with my sexual preference was that um I would sometimes kind of try to emotionally blackmail men into having sex, if that makes sense. And it never, it didn't often go anywhere, but sometimes it did. But there was almost that, um, so I, I understand how easy it can be to, to almost step into a predatory behavior without realizing you're doing it. And I'm not saying that, well, I just that's just what happened and that's the way it was until I started to become, you know, I could make all sorts of reasons about why I would do that. Part of it was looking for affection. Part of it was confusion. Part of it was because my body actually wanted sex with them and, and all. And I wanted validation. There's all sorts of reasons why we choose stuff. 
Um, and you know, I think it, it's kind of it is come back, does come back to being willing to ask the question about what is it that I desire and whose desires are they anyway? Because there are some men who like people coming onto them because it turns mm -hmm. them on, but they're not willing to kind of take it that far. It's not that I'm saying that they're a prick tease because that's not what I'm saying at all. But we, you know, <laughs> who doesn't like being flirted with? Yeah. It can be quite flattering if a man or woman flirt, flirts with me, but launching themselves at me, you know, yeah, that, that doesn't work <laughs> for me. That really doesn't <laughs> work. Like grenades coming at you. <laughs> Sex grenades. Damn, that was potent and frightening. And my whole world blew up in a way I wasn't hoping for it to blow up. <laughs> no, that was a big explosion, and it wasn't the one that she was looking for. So should um... have been somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, it is interesting how we can get ourselves kind of so caught up in 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 that whole thing. And so what's it going to take for us to get out of judgment of ourselves and out of that neediness and proving energy? Because there's often a lot of that around sex, isn't there? You yeah. know, proving to myself that I am sexy or proving that uh, people do want me or proving to other people that they can't have me. Oh, it's all of that stuff going on, which is, which, you know, the games people play, you know, the bait and switch and all of that kind of stuff. It's, um, it's really interesting. So what if we never had to prove we exist through any of mm. that? Everything that brings up and <laughs> down and well, it's just destroying uncreated all, bam, oh, yeah. with one of those launch grenades, poof, right around yeah. bam, pop on all my shorts. Wow. Excuse me. Yeah, so it's like if you're using sex to prove you exist, if you're using your sexualness to prove you exist, you're actually not being sexualness you're you're like turning it into a pretzel of something else anytime you're you're proving anything being so what's more sexy proving or being there's a thought and let how about if we leave everybody with what's more sexy proving or being as we go to break awesome many of us have created a lot of limitations around sex and what we are willing to choose would you be willing to explore what has already been introduced as sexual practices on this planet? What else is possible beyond what we have already seen, heard, or thought of? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual revolution? Taking the taboo out of all aspects of sex, sexuality, and copulation. By tuning into The Pleasure Zone radio show with body whisperer Melitza Yelenich. You'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Melitza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on A2Zen.fm. What would you say if I told you that you could change your life in only one hour and all while lying down relaxing? Thousands of people all over the world have. What am I talking about? It's called Access Consciousness The Bars. The Bars is an energetic body process that contains 32 different points on your head that when run assist you in releasing decisions about any area of your life that you have made solid and as a result cannot change. 
The bars is the first class in Access Consciousness, a dynamic set of tools and information designed to transform any area of your life. When you have a bars session, the worst that can happen is you feel like you had a fantastic massage. The best thing that can happen is your whole life could change. Go to accessconsciousness.com today to find a facilitator to schedule a private session or to find a bars class in your area. Are you willing to give yourself an hour to change your life? This is The Pleasure Zone with body whisperer Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, please call us in the U.S. Call 815-880-8255-TALK or Canada 613-800-8736 or you can Skype us at a2zen.fm. You can also make the choice to ask for comment by email by sending to Melitza at melitzayelenich.com. Now back to the program. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Pleasure Zone. I'm your host, Milica Jelanić, and today my guest is Alan. And we are talking about all kinds of things. And before break, um, the question I asked is, what's more sexy? Is proving you exist more sexy or is being more sexy? So what are you aware of, Alan? <laughs> this, well, is a, this is a tough question. <laughs> it's really funny, actually, because, and I may be going off at a tangent, so forgive me if I do. But what kind of um, what struck me in the in the break was was something that uh, occurred to me about something that I did to my body, and it was me doing it to my body. Was um, so I, I had bought into this kind of whole thing around, well, you know, relationships should be monogamous, and you know. No, no one should sleep around and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff so the best way in order for me to buy into that point of view and it's just an interesting point of view and if you believe in monogamy then that's cool if that works for you it's not where I'm going with this but that's kind of where I, I kind of went with that and the only way for me to be monogamous because people do find me attractive and and that's and I'm more comfortable with that now but I was I kind of know that I put on a huge amount of weight because nobody finds fat men attractive Women, larger women can be attractive and sexy, but but not fat men. So I made myself, you know, kind of actually quite quite large. And I found that a completely different type of man, you know, actually some of them were kind of really quite slim, quite sexy, found me really attractive. And I ended up having sex with other people <laughs> outside of my relationship who like larger men. I'm like, well, that fucking failed. <laughs> so... There was that proving energy there. That's kind of where I went with that. It was like it was proving to myself that I wasn't sexy, proving to myself that... And there was another... There was the conflictual universe as I was trying to prove to myself that actually really I was sexy because even though I am this large, somebody finds me attractive. It, It was just interesting how we just tie ourselves in knots with these things that we kind of get caught up in. It's... it's So for me, I wasn't being at all. I was trying to prove all sorts of things which I kind of did. I proved to myself I was sexy. I proved to myself I wasn't sexy. I proved myself I got it wrong. I proved to myself I got it right. And blah, blah, blah. And there was... And really, was I being that sexy? I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe to some. <laughs> yes, you know, the proving can. I suppose to some people who are also doing it, it matches their energy, so it's congruent in their world. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're proving you exist. Me too. Oh, I want to prove to you that small boobs are sexy. So I'm gonna. So this is what I would do. Is like, because you know, I was making up for having small boobs. I became super great at blowjobs. 
So it's like, you're going to like me regardless of my boob size. I'm going to show you my skills and I'm going to outskill anybody you've ever met. (laughs) And that's what I did with straight men with the whole blowjob thing was, was that whole look, Hey, you know, you, you know, women are not as good as men, you know, and cause I know you don't find men attractive, but Hey, let me suck your cock and I'll prove to you that I'm much better than any woman kind of, do you know, there's, so I get, (laughs) I know. And I I do give phenomenal blowjobs, it has to be said, and I do swallow. Sorry if that's a bit too much information for anyone who's listening. No, me too. That's not too much information on this show. I think we've discussed it. You know, protein shakes. I actually had a side note. I had a whole concept about a a shop that would be called Shake and Shake, and the guys would shake into the cup, and you could pick your guy to shake and shake, and then you would have your shake made out of the shake. (laughs) I, I would, I kind of... I have this thing that I really would love to do is, do you know, do you know what bukake is? No. So bukake is basically where you just get either one man or a lot of men just to masturbate all over you and you get covered in, in their cum. I didn't even know there was a name for that. That's awesome. Yeah. B-U-K-K-A-K-E, I think it is, but it's bukake or, yeah, so bukake I think is how it's pronounced. And, I love um, it. And I would just love to to have like a group of say ten men just all covering me in that, and that for me is a lot of fun. And I know I'm sorry if that's too much. I want to be there too. Yeah, Can I be actually, there? I'm not sorry if that's too much for anyone, but because this is. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's good for your skin too. It's like and it's well, like anti aging. It's just for me, it's just a lot of fun seeing those men's faces enjoying themselves, you know, because that's what it is. I love to see a man's face as he orgasms. It's just like I it, hear you. it really does it for me. And knowing that my mouth or my skills have helped to do that is not, it's, that's not about proving. That's just about, wow, I did that. Yeah. You know, I managed I to. facilitated um, that orgasm. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I so hear you. It's so fun. So, yeah, I'm I what they that. call. Oh, what's it they call it? A I can't think what the word is. There's it's I think it's called a cum cum shower? Cum pig, I think they call it, which is really unpleasant. But yeah, gay men have some really interesting words. But yeah, they call yeah. it a cum pig, which is yeah, but there's almost that self loathing thing. So gay culture does tend to have a lot of these words that <clears throat> describe an activity in a in a very derogatory way, but they don't see it as what's often referred to as internalized homophobia mm. they internalize this kind of almost hatred for what they are by, by by making these words and i know there may be gay men who disagree and think it's quite empowering to call themselves a cum pig and, and that's great that doesn't work for me so um, so you can just mm. enjoy cum because it can just be like exactly. delicious it's just yeah. like like i like uh, to drink orange juice cool some, to be to be fair some men do taste better than others that's the truth and I hear you. I, to be fair, or to be in my experience, to talk about my experience, I find that men who have bigger penises tend to have less tasty cum. That's just my experience. So I haven't really, really... Okay, I like that, because I haven't really checked out the size ratio to flavor ratio. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should do like a... a What's a, the investigation? Uh, so <laughs> I know a lot of girls in Access who would be willing to jump on that board and let's do some investigation here. <laughs> let's do an experiment. Size related to taste. I thought it was more related to um, diet. Men who are more vegetarian have a different flavor come than men who are not. And like men who eat a lot of garlic will have different flavor or that drink a lot of wine. It's like all of that like plays yeah. into it for me. But Cinnamon. size maybe too. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Cinnamon, apparently, is very good for making it sweet. And Riola is saying in the back, um, guys, sweet pineapple. And I have heard the pineapple yeah, one before. Um, I haven't had enough experience with the pineapple one to know for sure. Um, but Rio is saying that guys who eat pineapple rock her world. They taste so amazing. So if you're in, if you're in where, where, are you, where do you actually live, Melissa? I'm in Ontario. I'm near actually right. uh, near Toronto in Canada. Right. So there you go. So if you're in Toronto, Canada, or you're in London, UK, and you would like to know whether your cum tastes nice or not, look up Melissa, look up me. It's <laughs> We will do some experiments here. We will. <laughs> yeah. Because we volunteer for science. This is what we do. This is it. It's, it's a burden and somebody has to carry it. <clears throat> I'm going to. I'm, I'm here for you. Got your back 110% on this this mission that yeah. we have. Find yeah. this out. I, I recently found out about um, a sort of a playful thing to do with pop rocks and blowjobs. Have you tried that one yet, Alan? No, no. So what's I don't know if rock? you guys call them pop rocks in England, but they're these candies that like they pop in your mouth. Oh, yeah, so we call that, uh, what now, as a child, we used to call that stardust, but there is another oh, word for it here now, but yeah, it's that stuff that's kind of, uh, it prickles your yeah. mouth as you, yeah, mm, I've heard about that. Mm. Yeah, it's it's all right. Um, my lover was like, well, it's okay, he didn't really like get the sensation out of it, so I'm right. thinking of another way of pulling that off that's less... Um, saliva invoking and more fun Pulling invoking. <laughs> yeah, so, it's actually really, really sticky mess too. So it's right, something to yeah. just consider if you are adding different food things to your whole oral sex uh, regime. So how does that work? Sticky. Would for women would that not be a very uncomfortable, or would that be pleasant for women to have kind of pop rocks? Well, I didn't have any pop rocks on my clit yet, but I'm going to ask for that this week. Right. Um, so I'm going to find out. I. It's a new experiment that I heard about. So, um, And then I was discussing uh, further with some people. Actually, I discussed it with Liam Phillips, and he was wondering if it's different for men with foreskin and whether if you if you put the pop rock under the foreskin, what would that create? So I was right. like, well, now we're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be quite interesting because I, I don't have foreskin. So this is really funny. So my, well, it was funny for me as a child, you know, I didn't have any foreskin. My father doesn't have any and my grandfather didn't have any. So uh, there's in this reality, you know, there's some kind of obviously hereditary thing going on where we, we at birth or just after birth, we had it kind of removed because it was too tight. Mm -hmm. So all of the people as a child that I saw who had a penis had no foreskin. So, you know, that's fine. And then I go to school and, and you know, and I've stood in the loos and next to me, this guy kind of got this boy kind of goes to them. I'm like, oh, my God, what's wrong with you? Really? <laughs> kind of, what's that on the end? It fascinated me. Foreskin still fascinates me because I guess because I don't live with it. So I have no idea what it feels like to have one. Right. Um, my my younger brother did have one and then he had it without. And he says um, he prefers without foreskin. So uh, so maybe it's more sensitive mm. or enjoyable. Who knows? Well, it's interesting. I think for him it was quite interesting because, of course, he went 20 years of having foreskin to have it to have none. Wow. Which meant, so, yeah, so when he was wearing underwear, of course, everything was really sensitive. So he's, How enjoyable. He found that he was kind of getting quite turned on just walking down the road, which I think that would be quite fascinating. Oh, that would be brilliant. Um, 
That would be like as if my my clit just like in clitoris just like got enlarged to the point where it always rubbed my underwear or something, and I could just yeah. be walking down the street always having that friction turned on. That'd be so fantastic. That wouldn't that wouldn't that just be awesome? Just to, and yeah. I did hear about this guy once who apparently you know um, the man's prostate is kind of uh, towards the rear. Uh, yes. which is why kind of anal sex can be so enjoyable for men. And apparently <laughs> this guy was his, his, um, his uh, prostate is what I'm looking for. was, was quite highly sensitive, but also very close to the actual sphincter itself. So that every time he went for a poo, he had an orgasm. <laughs> I'm like, no, he's taking laxatives, you know, no, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm eating bran every day. That's awesome. <laughs> I was I was doing research on like um everlasting orgasms and there are right. people on the planet right now that have um these so-called disorders where they have they will have there's a and I can't remember how many this guy has like over 100 orgasms a day uncontrollable wow. and it's actually like a disorder there's like a nerve that got pinched or something and right. so he could he was at a funeral and he got completely turned on and started having an orgasm like on top of the coffin Oh my god! <laughs> so of course he was horrified. Mm. Of course he was. I would be like, "Wow!" Like I don't know. I, maybe I would have a different point of view if I had that disorder. But I did offer to him on the show that if he, if um, if he was listening ever, that if he would like some facilitation with that to have more fun and joy with it, and how he could utilize it in a way that could actually be expansive, to contact me. Because um, it's like, wow, some people do get that all the time. And there are I, women too who have that disorder where they're chronically like having chronically orgasms uncontrollably. Wow. Yeah. And I guess I mean <laughs> I suppose it gives you a whole new meaning to being turned on by a stiff. But um I guess the sorry, in England they call dead bodies stiffs. Yes. So anyway, that was sorry. That, that was that a good nothing. one. <laughs> <laughs> it's not can't be that good. You have to explain the joke and like, oh shit. No, no, you don't so, have to explain it. Uh, I love British humor. You could have just been like, that was stiff. I'd be like, yeah, totally got it. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing about being turned on is when we're most creative. You know, think about the universe came from you know the big bang the explosion whatever it is and and babies are kind of conceived through kind of explosion so creation happens when there's there's some form of turn on going on unless they're in a test tube i suppose but mm-hmm. um it, it, it's Even like to get that in a test tube somebody had to be turned on though well exactly well and this is also true um that that's very true and so it's like i know that i'm at my most creative when i am turned on but we have this tendency in this reality to think, oh I'm turned on therefore I must my body must want copulation or I must want to to masturbate or orgasm or whatever I think well is that really true you know I do some of my best creating when I'm feeling turned on it wasn't until I started asking the question hey body do you actually require some kind of sexual kind of act or are you just turned on you know so it's, it's worth kind of getting into that energy yeah. of what is it that's actually happening because yeah i'm at my some of my most creative when i am feeling really turned on we're all in agreement on that one <laughs> including in yeah. the back room it's yeah uh for example like right now i'm turned on but i'm not masturbating yeah so just, and that's just, how you i guys needed to know that <laughs> that's awesome and yeah and i i, I get that because my body's kind of feeling like that too it's like it's so nice to talk to someone who's uninhibited and doesn't and has no point of view and he's happy to kind of say words like come and clit and cock and you know and all of that stuff that we we are so often shy away from 
you know, I, I mean, I, you know, I know they're a gay man. Even my partner, who still does for me the archetypical gay behavior, the minute you were, mention the word vagina or clitoris or, you know, whatever other word you want to use for it, he does the kind of the knee jerk. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, oh, you know, that's disgusting. Oh, I could never go down on a woman and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and and I just look at him and I think, okay, well, you know, you're, you know, that's something you're missing out on and that's an interesting choice that you're making. Um, and I try not to get into judgment of it because that's just where he's at and he's still, you know, still buying into that whole thing of, oh, well, gay men can't do that because it's wrong and it's disgusting. I think, well, <laughs> well, you know, what is it? Why do we, why it's do just we, the body. what's that? Yeah, why do we automatically assume that, oh, well, if it's a woman, yeah. it's going to smell, it's going to taste horrible. Trust me, I've met men before when I've undone their zip and I just zipped it straight back. I'm going, I'm not going there. Yeah, sometimes Sorry. there's that yeah, excessive smegma thing going on that it's like, whoa. Yeah, or the, you know, they have very tight foreskin and all you can smell is their urine. It's like, really? You know, yeah. I know that's, that's... So men can be, or they can smell sweaty or any of that kind of stuff. So... Yeah, there's definitely smell. Yeah. Gary Douglas talks about that. He's like if you if you he are going to copulate with a, a man, man with a man or a woman with a man, um and vice versa, like put your face in their genitals and if if you really enjoy the smell of their genitals, that yeah. turn you on. Because yeah. a lot of times it it won't. But yeah, um I don't to date um, maybe in the past I've met men, but I've actually not had like a, any like a gross experience of that yet. Like nothing that went, Whoa. like I'm go I'm going actually, well, once, but that's a whole other story. And that's more where it was like, violent, but, um, right. there was like other stuff, like all the ones that have been enjoyable. I like thoroughly like enjoyed the smell of their bodies, even like the smell of armpits. I have like a I love the smell of like musky men armpits. So I will like just plant my face in there and that's good. I'm good. I'm good to go. I could just plant my face in your armpit and that's like foreplay for me. Yeah, my so, partner does that. I that's never appeals to me. I That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love I'm, that your partner does it. <laughs> that's cool. Does it to you and you're just like, Yes. Yeah, okay, that's, that's what you would do. Works for you, that's cool. I'm happy to receive that. You know. Yeah. But, Please just don't ask me because that doesn't that doesn't work for me. But yeah, so what does work for? And everybody's different, right? So everybody is different. Get, mm. Yeah, and if you do like the scent of like genitals and like your face is in there and you're really loving the smell of that, um, again, you don't have to do anything with it. You can just literally sit there and enjoy it, like you're smelling like a really good brandy or a really good coffee or a really great perfume. Like you can just really. Like, enjoy the scent. And what if you don't have to do anything about it? It's like sometimes we go into, I'm, like you were saying, Alan, like, I'm turned on now. I've got a copulator, masturbator, whatever. Like, even then, yeah. even if you've got a naked body in front of you, what if there's no expectation of performance or any of it? I, I, I totally get that. For me, I, I guess the sense of smell is not, is not where I, is not what kind of I love to, I love to touch and stroke. So I will quite happily just caress a body, which again doesn't necessarily mean that I want to kind of masturbate it or have sex with it. I just love stroking bodies and I love my own, so I love touch. I suppose that's what it is. I love touch and I love kissing. So again, I will quite happily lay there kissing someone for hours without it turning into anything more than just kissing. I think for me, it's just really intimate and wonderful just to... Taste and so taste and touch, I think, is my um, the two things that I really love to do with 
with with other people, whether that's a man or a woman. I'm, I will quite happily, when I'm running people's bars, I kind of massage the head in between each bar because I just love touching and stroking <laughs> hair and, you know, and I will quite happily stroke a woman's boobs if that's, you know, if that, because I just love to touch. <laughs> you know, and I know that I'm not going to kind of try and do a, do you know what a Bombay roll is? No, tell me. Right, so a Bombay yeah. roll is a, is a tit wank. <laughs> so a <laughs> <prank> wank. <laughs> I'm learning so many new sayings. Yeah, titwank, Bombay roll. Yep. Mm -hmm. I like Early it. Early necklace is where you come round the neck. Yes, that I knew about. Right. But I didn't know about the Bombay roll. Huh, cool. Yeah. And Artie White's called a Bombay roll. And I'm sorry if that is actually an insult to anybody. It's not meant to be. It's just I know it as a Bombay roll. Or Soapy Titwank is another one they call it in the UK. I like it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? We've been talking about soapy tip wanks and Bombay rolls and anyway. Wow. <laughs> Welcome to the pleasure zone. We never know where it's going. We have these titles. We're like, hey, we come back. Title. <laughs> Absolutely. This Absolutely awesome. come back. Yeah, it, it's really funny. I've had uh, uh, Matt Boschler was the fir uh, maybe the, mm. one of the first guys I had on my show. And when he was on afterwards, he's like told other people who have been on the show, he's like, when you go on Melita's show, it's like riding a wild horse. You never know where it's going to go. No, but <laughs> like, you know you're going to have a really good time. Yeah. I'm like, thanks, Matt. Riding the wild horse. That's right. <laughs> So, yeah, we've got like one minute left, and I don't even remember that we started this conversation more than 30 seconds ago. I so, know. Where's the hour gone? I know. It's crazy. <sighs> <sighs> so, Believe darling, that. what have you got coming up over in uh, on the other side of the pond? Any classes, anything fun, anything interesting, any nudity that we should be aware of that we can <laughs> join in on? Well, no nudity at the moment. I do okay. have a bars class next. Well, it could be nude, but probably Make won't be. I, yeah, I do, yeah, I do have a bars class next Friday, whatever date that is. I think it's the 20th or something like that. Cool. And um, we do have the possibility portal going on with me and Tamara, which is our, our kind of monthly coaching, uh, which you can, both of those are on my website if people want to find out where that, you know, what's going on there. So yeah, come and play. And if you do want to have more ease with your body and, and stuff, then I will happily do sessions with you. Awesome. you know, so yeah contact me awesome, awesome. oh my website sorry real yes it's alan yes. which is a-l-u-n hyphen jones j-o-n-e-s dot com alan hyphen jones dot com sorry thank you this is great thank and you, educational Melissa. i learned about the backup thing and uh, whatever that was and the bombay roll oh my god i'm mm. so excited i got new words to play with bukake Bukake, Bukake. Bukake. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Melissa. Take care, everybody. Thank you for choosing to Bye. listen to The Pleasure Zone. Melissa Yelenich will return next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, and 5 p.m. Pacific on A2Zen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by choosing to be turned on and tuned in to your body.